Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. For 13 days in October 1962, the world held its breath in the midst of that potential nuclear disaster during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Boy, as a youngster, I remember hearing the concern and knowing some family members and friends who even built bomb shelters. Much of that same fear and trepidation is happening today as we watch Russia disengage in the nuclear treaties and threaten nuclear war with Ukraine. Of course, if nuclear war with Ukraine happens, it's going to spread elsewhere. Well, Russia also is threatening Poland and the Transnistria area on the east side of Moldavia because they want to take over those lands. Reminds me of Germany at the time of World War II when they kept spreading out and trying to conquer other nations. Well, it's not just Russia. We learned that Iran has enriched their uranium recently to 83.7%. What does that mean? It means that they're only 12 days away from developing a nuclear bomb. And that's a scary thought because Iran has also developed new weapons to carry these warheads. They have a hypersonic missile that reaches Mach 12 to 13. Who can stop something like that? They have developed Pavan cruise missiles with a range of 1,650 kilometers, which can reach Israel. And if they're put on a ship, they could reach the United States. And then the latest one is the Shahad 149 drones, which can carry nine bombs. So they could strike the United States and Israel at any time. Then we have verification that China has weaponized the COVID virus through that lab leak, and they continue to threaten military action in Taiwan, which will destabilize Eastern Asia. Add to that all of our problems here at home, skyrocketing inflation, food shortages, energy crisis, other uncertainties that we're experiencing. And we can understand why there's a lot of fear and trepidation in the air. Christians and non-Christians alike are afraid of what the future is going to hold. So in this crazy world in which we live, we have to ask ourselves, where do we find our strength in these troubled times? Where is our hope? How do we walk through every single day in a God-honoring, positive way? I'm Debbie Blank, encouraging you today through Psalm 121, so we can seek God together as our refuge. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. As Debbie mentioned, today's threats are more terrifying than ever, and they keep coming at us from many different directions all at once. Furthermore, the increased destructiveness of enemy weapon systems is now aided by sophisticated artificial intelligence that was once only imagined in science fiction. As we hear leaders with this destructive capability openly threatening to devastate us and our allies, it is truly frightening. So with all of this coming at us simultaneously, it would be natural for informed people to succumb to fear. What do believers have access to that can bless and keep us as we are living in what the Bible calls 
perilous times. We have the Bible. The Bible is our source of hope and encouragement. It helps us understand who God is and what he wants for this world, what he wants for each one of us, and the relationship that he wants to have with us. So recently, as I was reading through the Bible, I came across Psalm 121 that struck me in these perilous times. And I thought it was a good psalm for us to read, even though we have just talked about some pretty devastating things. We find hope in this psalm and so many more. The psalms are full of David writing at perilous times in his life when he needed God. And Moses wrote several psalms for the same reason. And we need to know we can trust him and look to him when we have no control over what's happening in our world. We're going to start today by reading Psalm 121. I hope you grab your Bibles and open it so we can walk through this psalm together. This is one of the psalms that we don't know who the author is. We don't know the circumstances behind why this was written. What we do know is that Psalm 121 is in the middle of the Ascent Psalms. Every time the Jews would go up to Jerusalem to worship God, which they were told to do three times a year at each of the major feast times, they would read Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. And I say read, they didn't have the Bible back then, so they really recited them and sang them. It takes about 30 minutes to drive from the Jordan Valley up to Jerusalem. It's about, give or take, 40 miles So it would have taken them a long time to make that walk up to 2,500 feet from the Jordan Valley to Jerusalem. Therefore, they had lots of time to sing and recite these psalms over and over so that they would have them in their hearts by memory. And by the way, when we're on our way up to Jerusalem, we read these psalms. It prepares our hearts for going up to Jerusalem for understanding the heart of the people that used to do this three times a year. And since we're talking about going up to Jerusalem, I'll tell you that we are going back to Jerusalem and Israel for a Bible tour in October 2023. You can read the information on our website. We're going to have an information meeting on Tuesday, March 14th here in Omaha. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. If you ever have a desire to go to Israel, come to our meeting. There's no obligation. You don't have to go with us. But it's nice to know what to expect on a tour. It's nice to have a place where you could ask questions and get answers on what to anticipate. And then if God leads you to go with us, we'd love it. And if he doesn't, then we'd love for you to go with somebody just so you can get to Israel. And I wanted to say that I remember being on that tour and being on the bus when we were reading these Ascent Psalms, and we did read Psalm 121, and it was really great. So I encourage people to go to the meeting and to listen to what the psalm has to say as we read it today. If you want to know more about our Israel trip or our information reading, you can visit our website at livingwordministry.org. The information reading information is on the front page, and kind of a layout of what our planned itinerary is is on the Israel tour page. We'd love to have you join us. For today, though, we're going to go to Psalm 121 because this is a psalm where we realize that God is our helper. He's our keeper. He's our creator. He's the one who loves us and sustains us. And we need that. We need to be reminded sometimes of who God is and what he does for us. 
because we get caught up in the world and we forget it. So let's begin with Psalm 121, verse 1. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? Some versions say, from whence shall come my redemption? So we are looking up to the mountains, and that's natural because when they're walking up to Jerusalem, and whenever you talk about Jerusalem, by the way, you talk about going up because it is one of the highest places in Israel. Whenever you go there, you're going up the hills to get there. So the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come or my redemption come? Do we think the redemption is coming from the mountains? No, they're not looking to the mountains, but they're looking to where the mountains lead. The mountains lead to Jerusalem, the holiest city on the face of the earth. And not only that, but God says in his word that it's that city that he has written his name on. If you look at the topography of Jerusalem, you see that there's two main hills, and that's Mount Moriah and Mount Zion, that are separated by three valleys. So the idea is when you look over Jerusalem from the sky, you see a W, those three valleys that encompass those two hills. Well, a W in Hebrew means the word El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the Almighty One. So God is stamping his Hebrew name onto Jerusalem. And that's where he has written his name. And it's not just Jerusalem, but it's his holy temple. God dwelt in his temple, his temple, the holiest place on earth. So when people were looking to the hills, they were looking to what was beyond those physical mounds to what the spiritual representation of Jerusalem and the temple and God's presence in that city. It was the reason why they were going there, the who behind that name that was engraved on the land. That's one of the reasons I wanted to go to Jerusalem. I wanted to see the place where God had engraved his name. I'm sure that they, having the temple there as well, looked forward to that and to the God who was behind that. That's right. So the psalmist was looking forward to meeting God. Everyone is who reads that psalm on their way up. The focus is on God, not the mountains, not the problems they have in life, not the robbers that they often encountered along the way. Their focus was on God. Think about that. That's the same way we should be. When we're walking along life in the valley, in this case, the Jordan Valley, and then they're going up to the mountains, they're not focused on anything else but going up. Their eyes are on God and what they're going to experience with God when they get there. And by the way, they don't just wait until they get there to experience this whole idea of singing these psalms on the way up is to prepare their hearts to be with God. Do we do that? Do we prepare our hearts to spend time with God? Or do we just go to God and say, God, give me this and give me that and do this and do that? Our relationship with God is a personal experience. And it's not based on a physical place, though for Israel, it was very important to be in Jerusalem. It's not required that we go to church to pray. We can pray anywhere. Church is just a way, a place where we gather together to worship as a congregation, not just doing it alone. And it's very powerful when we worship together rather than worshiping alone. So their eyes were on God and what they were going to see from God in their lives when they went up to Jerusalem. 
And we have to ask ourselves, do we expect God to teach us and to show us and to draw us closer to himself as they expected that? And they specifically mention in this psalm, looking for the Lord and looking for his help. From where does my help come? It comes from the Lord. So they're seeking help just like we would be seeking help today. Yes, and we all need help in everyday life, no matter what it is. And they trusted God for the help. In the second verse of Psalm 121, it reads, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Again, that's a continuation of verse 1 where it says, Where should my help come from? Well, it comes from the Lord. Now, you can go to your friends and you can go to the government. You can go to your boss. You can go to a lot of places to get help. But there's only one place where you'll get the best help, the right help, the help that is beneficial for you and for others. And that's by going to God. Because we don't know the future. We don't know what God has in store. We don't know what's going to happen. But he does because he knows the past, the present, and the future. So shouldn't we go to him who knows everything and get help from him instead of looking to other people? So when he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, well, that shows us the characteristic of God as our creator. He's consistent because when he made the heavens and the earth, he hasn't changed them, has he? No, the stars and the skies and the, and the sun and the moon, they're still there. So is the earth and the land and the sea. God is consistent. He's all powerful. If God can make the heavens and the earth, and he did, is there anything he can't do? No, God can do absolutely everything. He's all powerful. He's sovereign. He's in control. He holds everything together. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens are telling the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. If you need help, just go to our creator God. Look up at the skies and the nature that he has created and worship him and know that he created the world. He can help us in anything that we need. As we see him as creator with all the power that you mentioned, we can trust him to help us because he can help as no one else can help because he is the creator. Psalm 121.3, he will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 4 goes on to say, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. God never sleeps. He's there 24-7 all the time. He has a commitment to us that he's always there watching over us, listening, caring. He cares to take care of us so that our foot doesn't slip. That doesn't mean quite as much to us unless we're walking on ice. But in Israel, there's rocks everywhere. It's really easy to slip and stumble over the rocks as well as going up and down these hills because they're everywhere too. But God says he won't allow your foot to slip. If we will put our attention on God, walk with him, he's going to take care of us. He's going to give us our balance. He's going to give us our direction. He's going to take care of us. And he's never going to sleep. He's always going to be there. And so we can sleep. We can relax. We can be vulnerable and we can sleep because he's taking care of us. He never sleeps. He's watching over us. I love the passage in Jeremiah 31, 35 to 37, because if we understand how God never sleeps and never slumbers and always has taken care of Israel and will continue to do so, this passage tells us that. Keep in mind, if God does that with Israel, he will do it with us. 
It says in this passage, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun her light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also will cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Now, if you read that the proper way, what God is saying is the fixed orders are never going to change, not until eternity comes. And day and night are never going to change. And because of that, God is saying they're stable. They're not going to change. I'm not going to change. My love for Israel isn't going to change. And therefore, we can take that to heart, knowing that his love for us isn't ever going to change. He's committed to us for the best for us, just as he was for Israel. There's such security in that, that we can rest in him knowing that he's not going to change. We can trust him. In this day and age, we find that we're not really content in a lot of ways because we think, well, we used to have everything we wanted. Now we can't get a stove when we want to order it because it takes too long and things are not as fast as they used to be. And I can't get this or I can't do that or I don't have the same job. We find ourselves to be discontent. But if we look to God, we find contentment. Verse 5 says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Now, you have to go to Israel to really understand that passage because Israel can get very warm. The sun is very hot and it shines most of the time in Israel, which is why they use solar panels for much of their energy. So when you're in Israel and it's 80 degrees out, that sun shining, you feel like it's 110 And to have shade on your right hand, it says here, but to have shade by God, that's a protection. That's a contentment in our circumstances. That's him being our keeper and taking care of every little thing that's important to us. And in this case, it's a protection from the elements. God will protect us from all the things going on. Now, does that mean that we won't go through any of these disasters that could happen? No, we, if everyone else goes through them, we as believers will too. The difference is where our heart is. Are we trusting in God for contentment? Are we seeing him as our keeper, knowing he will watch over us and give us wisdom in the midst of our circumstances? Just because we're a believer, that doesn't mean we're not going to go through hard circumstances. You can read the book of Job to find out. Job was a righteous man. He feared God. He turned away from evil. And yet he went through some really tough times. We're going to go through the same thing. But if we know that God is our keeper, and not just know it in our heads, but in our hearts, if we trust God, as Psalm 54, 4 says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. If he really is, then we can trust him to be our keeper in all circumstances and to meet our needs, even the shade on our right hand. I was struck by the word keeper and the word keep because we see it four times in this psalm. I looked it up in Vine's Expository Dictionary of Old Testament and New Testament. And so it says keep means to watch, to guard. The first use was in Exodus 34, 7, and that meant that he was keeping with faithfulness, the Lord who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgiving. 
So God is the one who preserves his people from dangers of all kinds. He keeps watch over, retains, protects. And in reference to Job, it's specifically meant to save his life so as not to allow it to be destroyed. So when we see keep four times in this psalm, I think it helps to kind of keep those things in mind. Yes, it does. That's why it's important to go back to the original language to understand the beauty of these words and what God is really saying to us. Looking at verse 5, where it says, The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. And I think about a shepherd keeping his sheep and his strong right hand. It's gentle, it's tender, but it's strong and it's protective. So that kind of leads us into another psalm that really relates to this. And many of us are familiar with this psalm 23. It's so powerful because it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now you can just stop right there. If Jesus is your shepherd and you have committed to him as Lord and master, we shouldn't have any wants in this world. It goes on to say, He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. I love quiet and still nature. It's so refreshing. And we can only have that when our hearts are refreshed by God. And in this case, when the shepherd takes care of the sheep and gives them that refreshment. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, he restores my soul. Who doesn't want their soul restored? We always want our heart and our soul and our spirit to be one with God, to be restored, whether we've been walking away from God or just not walking as close as we should. And then knowing he guides us in the paths of righteousness, well, I want to walk in righteousness with him. Do you? He does it for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If there's any time that we deal with fear in this world, it's when death is knocking at the door. And yet when we have God, there's no fear because we know we have eternity with him. He says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. God is the only one who can reconcile us with our enemies. He will do that when we are walking with him. And finally it ends by saying, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and loving kindness following us, following us from the Lord. He wants that for us. He will guide us through it all the days of our lives. What a comforting psalm as we look at that and see the contentment and see the Lord as our keeper, the one who takes care of us. Psalm 1835 is another passage that teaches us about God and our salvation. That reads, You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me. Who sits at the right hand of God? Jesus. So Jesus is at the right hand of God upholding us, and your gentleness makes me great. It's not because of anything I've done. It's all because of who God is. It's that guarantee of salvation that only God can give through Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is receive it. Now, as we look at verse 6, we see confidence, and we can have confidence in knowing that he's keeping us. Here it reads, the sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Who else can we trust to protect us from the sun and the moon? It's God. And if he can hold them in place, what can he do for us? Psalm 910 reads, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. 
For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Did you catch that? If we know God, he wants us to put our trust in him. And when we do, we're not forsaken. It's just the opposite. We're his children, and he wants the best for his children. Moving on to verse 7, God says, The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. That's a huge one because nowadays we have evil like we've never seen before. Now, we've always had evil. We've always had sin in this world since Adam and Eve sinned. But in this case, God's going to protect us from that evil. The Our Father says, deliver us from evil. God doesn't cause evil, but he's there to deliver us from evil, protect us from it, because Satan's out alive and well, and he wants to do everything he can to destroy us. Only way we can fight Satan is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And not only will he protect us from evil externally, physically, but he's going to keep our soul. Well, that's more important because our soul is our spiritual life. It's our eternity with him, our spirit with him. So he protects and keeps us physically and spiritually. That's why Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, that's huge. Throughout Scripture, we're told not to fear. And the only way we can't fear is if our eyes are on God. Everything else, when we look at the world, there's a lot of fear out there. But God gives us the opposite. He gives us faith and trust. Even though we may have concern for our physical life in the midst of all of these kinds of threats, we do know that we have eternal life. And as believers, we have that assurance that it is kept safe in him. That's where we can have a peace that passes all understanding. When everything else is going crazy around us, we can find peace in the knowledge that God is keeping us. That's how Psalm 121.8 ends, because it says the Lord will guard you going out and you're coming in from this day forth and forever. His character is eternal. He wants to guard us and protect us. And we have that eternal security if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. First John 5 says, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. So our answer to be guarded now and forevermore in this world and beyond is to have a relationship with Jesus. Psalm 28, 7 reads, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts. And with my song, I shall thank him. That's so powerful. Where do we get our strength? It's in God. And when we put our strength in him, we can trust him. When we can trust him, we have no worries because everything he does is going to be for his glory and to use us for his glory. And that's really the reason we're here on earth. And when we trust in God, he says, I am helped and my heart exalts. We don't have fear anymore because our heart's excited to trust in God for what he's going to do. It is through God that we have all of his power, all of his strength, all of his love, all of his character, all of his commitment, all these things we've talked about. If we will turn to him, if we will trust in him. So you're God's child. He wants the best for you. Any promise that he's made to the Jews, he's made to us too. If we place our attention on him, who he is, what we have in him through Jesus, 
and not focus on this world, we can find joy, love, and contentment in every circumstance. Let me close with Second Chronicles 16.9, which reminds us that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he might strongly support those whose heart is completely his. If you will turn your heart over to God right now, he will walk you through all the times that we're living in, good and bad, and he will give you hope for all eternity. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.